Christ, King of Saints, and we come, O Lord, and shall all the earth to worship Thee. O Lord God, accept the praise and love of Your church and worship You in spirit and in truth. I give You thanks and praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. If you have a Bible this morning, let's take a look at it together. Turning to the book of Hebrews. Chapter 6. If you'll look at verse 9. This verse 9 comes on the heels of some rather deep and scathing scriptures that uh, if you have some fear of God in your life, it will definitely shake you down to your toenails. But verse 9 is a little upturned, and a little uptick, and it said, but beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. In other words, in spite of the fact that he had to deal with things like it's impossible to renew them to repentance, and that uh, talked about the whole thing falling into fire and, you know, going to be burned up. But he said, in spite of the, the fact that I had to say and speak some of these things, he said, uh, I want you to know we're persuaded better things of you. Better things of you. And things that accompany or go along with, come along with salvation. He said, in spite of the fact that we speak this way. All right, you may be seated. The Lord bless you. In the... Back a few pages in the book of 2 Thessalonians. He starts off by talking about chapter 2. He starts off by talking about the coming of the Lord, that day of the Lord. And um, so you want to get that subject matter straight. He said, now we beseech you, brethren, verse 1 of chapter 2 of 2 Thessalonians, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. That's your first resurrection. So you, you get that straight in your mind, what he's dealing with here in this chapter. And he said that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit. Oh, God, help us not to be troubled by spirits, huh? Uh, spirits that come to shake you. But he said, or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word, nor by, you know, there's a lot of word goes around, a lot of talk, a lot of yada, yada, yada. Before you know it, 
diarrhea of the mouth and you've said it wrong, you know. And boy, some people have had some very difficult times in their lives. They're not needing a word that's going to shake them in their mind. They're not needing doors open to bring and usher in the wrong kind of spirits. They're needing encouragement. They're needing faith-building words, you know. And, and you know, you, you stand around, you know, talking all your junk, you know, you're talking all your junk and acting all that, and, and you're beating somebody up. You're, you're beating somebody down. And, and, and the world, and even people, I'm trying to say, in the body of Christ or somewhere around us, are in desperate need of encouragement and positive word, positive word, things that will strengthen them. Okay, everybody said praise the Lord. All right, let's not get uh, taken with worldly things and themes and attitudes. Let's not allow ourselves to be as they were in the, as it's written, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And what took place was the flood came back then, and he said, don't let that happen to you now because it's going to be the same way. He said, and it came and swept them all away. You don't want to be swept off your feet by spirits, attitudes that are not of God, wrong things. And much of it, much of it, is fostered and generated and promoted through the different mediums that this world uses. Okay? Everybody said amen. amen. So, you know, uh, let's see if we can't... Well, you know, you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and you read about uh, the Holy Ghost known as the love of God. Because Romans 5 and 5 tells you that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Okay, so if you're going to have any love of God in your life, Marvin, you can move up to your seat. If you're going to have the love of God in your heart, then you're, gonna, you're going to need this Holy Ghost. You're going to need this gift of the Holy Ghost. You're going to need this renewing of the Holy Ghost in your life. You're going to need prayer meetings. You're going to need church services. You're going to need everything the church is doing. You need it. You need to be around it. You need to be a part of it. Okay? Everybody said praise the Lord. So remember, the setting is he's writing to a congregation in the early days, but as you know, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God. And it is certainly as relevant today as it was back then. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we're living in a time of today. We're living in this church dispensation. So he's telling them about we're looking forward to the Lord Jesus Christ coming. We're looking forward to that day. But he said, in the meantime... If you plan on being in that first resurrection, and I trust everybody is, you know, 
Well, let me just tell you, you're not going to get there by accident. You know, you're not going to get there by accident. You're not just going to lollygag your way in and, and just happen to happen upon it. It is going to take effort, which is work. And there is a work of repentance, okay? That, and we need to repent and overcome every day, every day. Because every day the devil's on the job. He's a roaring lion, and he's going all over the place, and he's seeking whom he may devour. He'd like to have you for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and maybe brunch in there too, and maybe a midnight snack. So you've got to be wary, and that's what the writer is saying here, that you not be shaken in mind. Things that can shake your mind up. Things that can make you doubt. Put fear in your, in your heart. And he's trying to tell you that you don't want that to take place in your life. That you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us. People go around you know, and they want to act like this is coming from the apostle when it wasn't. Counterfeit or twisting of words, a misapplication of things. He said, nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Now, nobody's ever lived closer to the coming of the Lord than you and I. Right now. We're closer than anybody ever was. And this that we're reading is, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,000 years old. And the church has continued to this split second. And he was trying to help them because they were all excited, and it's good to be excited uh, and zealous and a good thing. But they, they were getting a little premature about it, you know, and it was like, and like many, unfortunately, have preached and probably still do, that Jesus Christ is coming any second. Well, he's not coming any second. He never was coming any second. There are things that have to be fulfilled in the Scripture. He could come for individuals any second. You could die any second. Okay. So, yes, you want to... Be repenting and overcoming. And you want to continue in God as if you could die any second, because you can. Uh, so we just had somebody that got rear-ended, shook them up, damaged the car. The other guy was definitely at fault. Thankfully, you know, uh, no grievous injury. But how different that can be, you know? How different that can be in a split second. I was reading in the paper about a young lady. She was in her 20s, and she, you know, everything, everything seemed to be going good for her. And she was going along, and she was texting. Not a good thing to do while you're driving. And you can't give 100% to, to two things, and you lose your focus. It's been proven. And so she's texting away, and... Um, telling somebody, you know, about all these great things and how happy she is and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, the text stops, like in mid-sentence. And that's because as she was texting, she looked up and that was it because she ran right into the back of somebody 
and died instantly. You know? And, and so how sad when they came and, you know, the paramedics and everybody and they took care of her body and the, and the people that came and took care of the vehicle and, and the family got her personal belongings and they got her phone and saw right in there that she was in the middle of a text when it took place. You know, how quickly things can happen. All right? So it's important to realize that he can come for you any second. But you've got to get the subject matter here and, and, and the theme and what he's talking about. And he's trying to balance things out. And he's saying, right now, we've got a job to do. And we've got to be wary. We've got to be discerning about the spirits that are combating us, coming against us as the body of Christ, whether individually or collectively. We've got to be very on guard. We've got to be vigilant. We've got to be sober. Okay, we, we don't want to be ignorant. Uh, we don't want to be ignorant, period. <laughs> but some getting down to some brass tacks, we don't want to be ignorant of Satan's devices, the things he does, the things he uses. You know, so that's why you've got to get sharp about either what you're saying in talk or what's being talked to you. And you've got to see when things are going down a familiar pattern a familiar path that is not going to lead to something edifying, a building, strengthening, encouraging, faithful. You've got to be wise here. So, he said, let no man deceive you, verse 3, by any means. For that day, well, we just said what day he introduced, right? Talking about the day of the coming of the Lord and our gathering together unto him. Everybody said amen. amen. So follow the subject matter here. For that day shall not come. Except. And so he's going to list out two things here. And he starts off by saying, except there, there come a falling away first. So number one, there will be a falling away. Well, please, don't get all shook up and tell yourself, oh, my God church. That's not what he's saying. Okay? There's not going to be any revival. That's not what he's saying. Okay? Subject matter. You follow the word fall and falling, it is directly connected to the Jewish and how that they fell away through unbelief. But it made the way for the Gentiles, didn't it? And the enemy tried to stop that. But God used the Apostle Paul and others, and they brought the message in spite of criticism and persecution, they brought the message to the rest of the world. Everybody said amen. amen. <clears throat> and the church continues to do that. We're, the church is sent to everybody. Every country, every island, every continent, every nation, Every, every type of people, okay, doesn't matter what the skin color is, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what language you speak, doesn't matter where you come from, or even where you're going, right? God is trying to save you. I think we worked last week on he's a very determined Savior, and he's determined in, in spite of anything to save you, and we've got to be determined that we want to be a, on the same team and the same page with him. I want to be saved here. 
Okay? And meaning for us, it means I want to stay saved. I don't want to go back to the old ways. Because you, you won't just go back if this the middle of this microphone was the beginning place where you came in and started going forward for the Lord. Going back, you will go to here and past here. Okay? The last state or condition of that person is worse than it was at the beginning. So the enemy doesn't just take people back. He takes them back and beyond. All right? Everybody said hallelujah? So, so he said, number one, to come a falling away first. Number two on the list, he said, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now, that's, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Because that has not yet taken place. Okay? This is talking about the Antichrist. Not just the spirit of Antichrist or the attitude of Antichrist because he made it clear that that's already, we're already dealing with that. That's already here as subject matter. But he's dealing here with, if you follow with me now, in verse 4, uh, right on the heels of him saying, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, I'm going to skip verse 5. Just leave that alone for a minute. Let's follow, try to follow along. And now ye know what withholdeth, that he might be revealed in his time. In other words, what's keeping this from being manifest? Why hasn't the Antichrist, the man of sin, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, that showeth himself that he is God, what's keeping that from happening? Okay? Well, timing is what's keeping that from happening. Okay? Timing. It's like saying, why haven't the peaches come out on the tree? Or why haven't the strawberries appeared? Or uh, where's the mangoes? Or the other types of things. Uh, because there's a time, isn't there? To everything there is a season and a time. And so here we have the writer saying, and now you know what withholdeth, that he, you watch that pronoun he, very important in this chapter, okay, to watch the subject matter. You should take a nice red pencil, and as you're reading this along, every time you see the he or the him, that you underline it or Color it in in red or something. So that you're following subject matter. All right? You're following the theme here. So now you know what withholdeth or what's keeping it back. That he, that's that man of sin, might be revealed in his time. Verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Well, that's your, I said, that's your spirit of antichrist. It's already here and working. Okay? Already here and working. That's the spirit of it. And this one is one that seems to throw everybody off and has forever. Only he, there he is again, he, who now letteth, will let. Now letteth, the word letteth does not mean will you let me go to the store, okay? Will you give me permission? That's not what that word means there, okay? It means resisteth. It means hinder. 
So only, as you watch it now, he said, only he who now resisteth will resist, or only he who now hindereth will hinder, until he, there's that he again, be taken out of the way. All right? And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him, go back to the Antichrist, who, whose coming is, watch this now, is after the working of Satan. Now you know, you get to standing around and talking and juking and jiving and or on the social media. You better make sure that what you're saying, what you're thinking, what you're texting, that it's not after the working of Satan. That you're not letting the enemy work through you. That the what did it say in one place? That let the, the prayer said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. You know, we want what we're doing to be acceptable. We want it to be originating from the Lord. In in the uh, Garden of Eden, there was three rivers that originated out of there. So we want to know the origin of things. Where is this coming from? Where is this attitude coming from? Is this after the working of Satan? Or is this of God? Are, are we dealing with the spirit of truth? Or are we dealing with the spirit of error? Because that's the only two spirits. Okay? So we have got to, we can't go along blindly. And, and we, we can't... Um, just be dull and duh. We've got to be discerning. We, we've got to be sharp. We've got, to, we've got to properly figure out here and prayerfully figure out what exactly is going on. What exactly is taking place. And there are times when the enemy attacks. There are times when it goes above and beyond, shall we say, the normal negativity of the enemy. And you know he's always negative. He's always negative. He always wants to uh, turn things upside down. And he wants to uh, mess things up. He doesn't want things to be smooth. He doesn't want the church to be happy. He doesn't want you to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to produce any fruit. Anything that for God, anything unto, unto eternal life, even the book said, he doesn't want you to uh, be able to take any steps forward and draw nigh to God, not at all. He's going to do everything he can to hinder that. And remember, it tells you finally, after so many instructions, so much teaching, he said finally you take unto you the whole armor of God. And in putting on that armor, it's going to protect you against the wiles or the tricks of the devil. Okay? So if he can trick you, he'll do that. All right, trip you up any way he can, but you've got to, you know, you got you, you can, you know, you can have good things happen in your life, and and we we thank God, uh, I, we look at everything whether good or bad, and we say Romans eight twenty eight, you know, and uh, I mean I had somebody tell me one time, man, you're the most Romans eight twenty eight using guy I know, and said, well, okay then, that's fine, all things work together for the good, to them that love God. 
and are thee called according to his purpose. So, yes, uh, if something bad, you know, I'm, I'm going to grab uh, Romans 8 and 28, okay? And if something good happens, I'm going to grab Romans 8 and 28, okay? And believe that all things work together for the good. But usually, most especially when things are looking a little cloudy and a little dark and a little topsy-turvy and a little upside down, that's most likely when you're going to want to get Romans 8 and 28. Because we don't always see and we don't always understand, and we're not, we're not always able to, this is happening. And sometimes we dwell just a little bit too much on what's happening instead of praying through and looking over it and above it and beyond it and seeing down the road and, and just comforting ourselves with the Word. And the Word said, all things work together for the good. And that whatever uh, God allows to come our way, that it, it's going to work out okay. And God's going to see to it. And, and as, as we're trying, I asked the Lord to, first of all, help me to get the focus. <laughs> and, and if I could get the focus, then help me to keep the focus. All right? If I could dial in on it and, and not be distracted by the wind and the storms and the, and the upheavals and the, the, the many words, you know, that go around. And uh, somebody's... And we don't preach fairy tales or anything like that, little nursery rhymes. But, you know, they, they often love to quote that uh, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never harm me. Well, you know, that's not really exactly true. Because things that people say and the enemy inspires sometimes are very uh, hurtful and harmful. And you, once it's said and done, you've got to contend with it. You've got to contend with it, you know. Uh, sometimes there are, we can be like the duck and the water can roll off our back. The words can roll off our back and we move on and, you know, we're just in the zone, the Holy Ghost zone and, and, and we're just not, we're feeling no pain. We're not just going to let it, it just didn't bother us and we, we went past it. But there are other times, maybe when we're not exactly feeling walking on the clouds right then. We're not feeling that strength right then. And, um, and we have to contend, we have to wrestle with, the Bible said, not flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness and the rulers of darkness in high places. We have to deal with those things. And we wrestle with those things, okay? And there, in other words, the spirit gets into a thing. It kind of steps up a little bit like a transformer. It boosts up the, uh, the juice, shall we say. And, and, and we're dealing with something that's a little more than the norm, okay? And uh, in all of this, we've got to realize that we live in an environment that is charged with the spirit of Antichrist. And, you know, Satan just stood up in God's face in heaven and disagreed, disagreed with everything. Just begin, all of a sudden, he was telling God instead of God telling him. And I've had that experience. And, uh, boy, you know, you're like, where did this come from? And everything that God was saying, the enemy was contradictory to it, opposite to it, and anti. That hence you have antichrist, against the Christ, against the Messiah, against the anointed, against the anointed one. And so, as you know, war broke out in heaven, and isn't it sad that a third of the heavenly host that had such 
exalted positions and were given estates. They were given dwelling places. They were given goodly heritage as the angels of God and the host of heaven. That a third of them listened to Satan. And, and you see this, you, you should be careful what you listen to. Because I'm telling you, in, in taking in some things, you're creating your own battle. You're creating your own battle. And uh, it's, it's, it's important that you be discerning. And it's important that you, you don't develop an appetite for certain things. Uh, I, you know, in times past, aren't I looking fat? I'm getting heavier. But in times past, I lost, I lost 60 pounds. And in that time, there are things that happen to you that you, you take for granted. I never thought about my taste buds before. But all of a sudden, my taste buds weren't working. And, and I, didn't, I didn't want anything. I didn't like anything. And, um, I mean, you could, I'm, I've never been a real steak eater myself. My wife likes it, but I, I'm not carnivorous, as I tell her. And um, I'm not a hamburger person. And, um, but, you know, you could put something really delectable, and I didn't want it. I just, I did the taste. There was no taste. <laughs> I mean, just nothing going on here, you know. And uh, thankfully, I found that a certain cereal and milk, so you'd find me at 4 o'clock in the morning having milk and cereal, you know, in all different odd times. And uh, that was what I lived on for a while until gradually, by prayer and, and everybody uh, praying with me that, that God healed my taste buds and a lot of other things, I guess. And um, I'm very thankful for that. And um, one, one doctor, nurse among us said, said, you can tell you lost weight because your fingers got skinny. So my wife was saying, hey, they're getting fat again. They're getting fat again. <laughs> so anyway, whatever. Uh, I hope not to go from one extreme to the other. I'd like to find that happy medium in the middle somewhere. But uh, you know how that goes. But don't worry about it because heaven is going to be heaven because in heaven when you get on the scale, it's going to weigh just exactly. The right number is going to come up. Okay? All right. That's a joke. Okay. Anyway. But I mean, how could heaven be heaven if that doesn't happen, right? <laughs> It's all got to be just pleasant, and it will be because we'll be in the presence of the Lord. And and uh, one man described heaven as an absence of negative feelings. There'll be no negativity. There'll be no negativity. There'll just be nothing bad there. There'll be no devil there, and he's the author of all the bad feelings and all the bad things. And I want to tell you about a... Uh, a very good preacher. He's dead and gone on. Very good preacher. Very used of God. And uh, he had prayed. And while he was praying, he had asked God, I, I think for the purpose, not just to know, but possibly for the purpose of to have a, a greater burden for lost souls. And he asked God to show him hell. And Long before, there was flat screens and whatever they call them at these places, multiplexes or whatever, uh, long before any of that, uh, surround sound, any of those things were ever invented, okay, were ever even on the drafting board, God gave this man a vision. I mean, 
whether in the body or out of the body, as the Apostle Paul said, cannot tell. But he was caught into and up into. And he was surrounded by what you would describe as flat screens, giant flat screens. And each one was giving him a color picture of hell, what, what's there, what it means. And he, in the dream, he's, he's going around looking, 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 looking. And until finally, it was so horrible that he screamed, Shut it up! And so God did. Gone. And he almost lost his mind. He actually did suffer a nervous breakdown from it. And uh, people had no hands. People had no feet. People were screaming, screaming eating their own flesh, gnawing on themselves. You know, just piles of people. The agony and the pain. There is a, there's a real hell. But even hell is going to give up the dead. Even hell is going to be cast into the lake of fire. Think about that. So it takes on the bigger picture. It takes on the eternal picture. What could persuade an angel that can, could at pretty much at will, travel the universe, the deepest of space, by simply just thinking the thought and be able to come and go? That could dance on the Milky Way and, you know, be in God's presence continually, so many things. What could possibly convince? What kind of talk? What kind of spiel? That's a Yiddish word. Was the enemy able to bring that he got their ear and they listened they begin to forget, I guess, what all God had provided. I worry because I've seen this many times. People sometimes don't have what we call a basis of comparison. Maybe they've always had it a certain way. And in so having it, they, they don't know anything else. You know, it's just always been that way. Sometimes people are that way about the church, you know. Sometimes they, parents raise their children in the church, which they should. And uh, they work with the church, and the church provides so much. And that in so doing, they... Um, they don't know anything else. They're not uh, aware that there are other things out there. But they, they begin to think that it's, there are other things out there. That's where I kind of feel like the, the old serpent comes in. and He begins to 
to tell the lie, that it's better out there. You've heard the saying, the grass is greener on the other side. And that he gets that seed planted, that word planted in the person's mind. And they, they got the feeling, look all I have, but I could have that too. And in so doing, they don't realize that in going and getting that too, you lose what you have. You lose what you have. You can't love two masters. That's what your book teaches. You, it's a law in God. And of course, Satan is against anything that God says. And he wants to tell you that that's not true. You'll be all right just as he did Eve in the garden. And you can say, well, that's just an old uh, fairy tale or something. No, that's not the fairy tale. That's the truth. When Satan said, thou shalt surely not die. And she, and she said, the, the Lord said, and he said, no, you won't. It'll be all right. And you saw, you see through reading the word what it cost her, and you see in our world what it cost and where we are. And yet God in his great love, because he so loved the world, and he provided the man Christ Jesus, the flesh, the Messiah, the visible manifestation of the invisible God, provided that sacrifice on the cross to shed the blood that you might be saved and pulled out and have a way of escape. But in that way of escape, remember, while we have a job to do, we've got to fight to stay on course. We've got to strive. We've got to press toward the mark. It's not something we can just take for granted. And think that it's just self-maintenance. You know. I have a young man in the church now. He's wishing that our cars were self-maintenance. Because he's going to be washing cars for a long time. Because our cars are not self-maintenance. you got to wash them. Especially during buggy season, right? Lots of bugs. Oh, brother. So, we're not self-maintenance. We're not self-maintenance. We do have to pray. We, we do have to, from time to time, push back that plate. We do have to deny ourselves. We do have to avert our eyes and, or shut our eyes. And the devil wants to, you're strong enough, you can handle it. Better that you just say, no, no, I know that my flesh is weak. And I'm going to, I'm going to, Steer clear of that. I'm going to stay away from that. I'm going to shut my eyes and my ears to that. I don't want any part of that. Because you know what? In spite of all of these negative things, we're persuaded better things of you and that accompany or go along with salvation. The fruit of the Spirit goes along with salvation. Okay? The, there's so many, the, the power of God goes along with salvation. 
I want to be discerning so that I can remember what the writer said when he said that this Antichrist is going to be after the working of Satan. I'm not interested in what the enemy's doing. I'm interested in what the Holy Ghost is doing. I'm interested in what the church is doing, not what the world is doing. I don't want to be like them. I don't want to be caught up in all the stuff they're doing. Okay? I don't want that. I want to be caught up in the first resurrection. I want to be in that gathering together unto the Lord. I'm turning the book of Nehemiah, chapter 9. You know, it tells you that there was a time when the people assembled together, 9 and 1, and said that they, they came together with fasting and with sackcloth and earth upon them. And it was all an outward sign of that they were feeling very repentant. It said, the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers. Now, you know, I, I, I hope that you can understand, meaning strangers, meaning strange from the work of God, from the church, from the things that are godly, that they, they were strangers. They were not part of the family. Okay? So you need to know who your family is. You need to know that your family is your church family. Your family is those that are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost and are living for God. That they're in the Spirit. Okay? Because quite frankly, I've known people that claim to be baptized in Jesus' name and full of the Holy Ghost that are not because they're at what was said of Peter, thy speech betrays you. Thy speech betrays you. And so what is being said is not reflecting a Holy Ghost mind, a Holy Ghost heart. Words and phrases and speeches and themes, attitudes. You know, my wife and I often look at one another and say, not the Holy Ghost I got. Not what I got. <laughs> you know, we just don't act that way. We just don't talk that way. Okay? We don't do that. So, they separated themselves. And they stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities, not just, not just their sins, but they, they got so deep into repentance, they were asking for forgiveness for their fathers before them. Okay? Wow. And they stood up in their place. I like that. You need to learn your place. You need to learn your place. In the, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Okay? So you don't need to exalt yourself. Because, friend, that's, a, that's pressing the, the button for the express elevator right to the basement when you do that. Because he that exalteth himself shall be abased. So they stood in the, in their, up in their place. And they read in the book of the law of the Lord their God one-fourth part of the day. 
Well, there's 24 hours in a day. So that means six hours they stood reading the Word of God. You talk about long-winded preacher on that one. And another fourth part, another six hours, they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. And then it said here in verse 5, and I'm trying to go right to the heart and the meat of the matter here, Stand up and bless the Lord your God forever and ever, and blessed be thy glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Thou, even thou, art God alone. Thou hast made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth, and all things that are therein, the seas, and all that is therein, and thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worshipeth thee. Thou art the Lord, the God, which didst choose Abram, and broughtest him forth out of Ur of the Chaldees, and gave, gavest him the name of Abraham, and foundest his heart faithful before thee. And don't you want God to find your heart faithful? You want him to find your heart faithful. You don't want to be unfaithful. Okay? In all that you do, whether it's giving of your tithe and offering, whether it's your church attendance, prayer meeting attendance, door knocking attendance, outreach in other words, um, whatever the church is doing, you want to be faithful. You want God to find that you have a faithful heart. And he said he made a covenant with him and that he would give him certain things. Verse 9, And did us see the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard us their cry. And he said, You showed signs and wonders before Pharaoh and on all his servants and on all the people of his land. For thou knewest that they dealt proudly against them. So didst thou get thee a name as it is this day. And thou didst divide the sea before them, so that they went through the midst of the sea on dry land. And their persecutors thou threwest into the deeps as a stone into the mighty waters. Moreover thou ledest them in the day by a cloudy pillar, the night by a pillar of fire, to give them light in the way wherein they should go. Thou camest down also upon Mount Sinai, and spakest with them from heaven, and gavest them right judgments, and true laws, good statutes and commandments, and madest known unto them thy holy Sabbath, commandments, precepts, statutes, laws, by the hand of Moses thy servant. Thou gavest them bread from heaven for their hunger, and broughtest forth water for them out of the rock for their thirst, and promised, promised them that they should go in to possess the land. But they, but they, and our fathers dealt proudly. Remember, they didn't just repent for themselves for six hours, but they must have been a whole lot of Sin to be repented of, huh? Six hours. But, but they, they included, they reached back further 
into their history. And they confessed and repented of those before them and what they had done. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying you did all these great things and yet they dealt proudly. They hardened their necks and they hearkened or they listened not to thy commandments and refused to obey. Neither were mindful of thy wonders. I saw a little, a little girl the other day in the, I think it was Publix, I don't know, someplace though, and the dad, and he had a little boy and a little girl, and the, the boy looked to be about 12, and the little girl looked to be about 9, and uh, and the little girl, you know, she was just grabbing everything, you know. I know where it was, actually it was Office Depot, they were getting some supplies from the church, and she, uh, and right by the checkout, they have all kinds of candy and stuff, and she was just grabbing everything, you know, and Daddy this and daddy that and daddy that. And, he's, you know. and so finally the dad got the boy and they just went out the door. And the little girl standing there with the candy looking. And so finally threw the candy down and, and boy, she just. And along the way, doing that, she started the, the whining, you know. And the, you know, she needed that sign, thou shalt not whine, right? And uh but she was just boohooing and whining and crying, going out the door. And, and, uh, and you know, that's what he said there. He said, they refused. God, you gave them this and you gave them that and you provided this and you provided that, but they refused. Like little spoiled children. They just refused. I'd rather God find my heart faithful than him having to be looking at that saying, is this the, the person or people that I provided this for? I provided, I gave them water to drink. I gave them food to eat. I put a roof over their head. You know, I gave them cars to drive. You know, I, I mean, God just making everything happen, you know. And uh, I put clothes on them, shoes that they wear on their feet. Uh, what did it say in one place? What hast thou that thou didst not receive, <laughs> you know. God gave us life and strength and breath in our body. And uh, I don't know if you don't value some of that. Time to visit a hospital. Come with me. I'll take you to where Brother Small was at. One trip there, friend, will change your life. You go down there, that ICU down there, right, Sister Small? Down there in that basement. And it's like going down to the lower parts of hell. And I'm not saying that facetiously. I mean it. All kinds of spirits. Oh, brother, and people sitting there hollow-eyed. And they're watching you walk in, and they pretty much can tell you're a preacher. And they're just looking. They're so empty, and they're so vacant, because in the bed in front of them, their, their son or their daughter or their husband or their wife or their grandmother is hooked up to machines and, and expecting to die, you know. Oh, friend, maybe you just need a little visit to the cancer ward. You can go into some of those places and, and see people. I saw a woman the other day, came in a store with a hole. Right here. 
where her voice box and her Adam's apple should be. She didn't have any, anything to, you know, try to decorate it up or cover it up. or It was just a raw red hole going right down into her esophagus and down to her stomach. Oh, friends. I, I, I'm sure that in my mind I was thinking, if I was, and I wouldn't, but if I was to ask her, was it worth it? Was it worth it? You know that she would say no. The cigarettes weren't worth it. Or the young man has started dipping and chewing, and then they had to cut out a good portion of his tongue, and they had to take out part of his jaw, and how that cancer had gotten in there and wrapped itself all around his neck like an octopus or a squid. Oh, yeah. Was it worth it? But you know, it's not cigarettes so much. It's not the tobacco chew with the glass in it. You know, they put glass in it so that when you're chewing it, it cuts your gums so that the, the tobacco juice and the nicotine and all of the chemicals gets quicker to your bloodstream. Talk about self-mutilation. Uh, but it's not that so much. That's what you see. You see the cigarette. You, you, I saw a little girl in the, in the bank the other day, and she had a lollipop, and she'd finished the lollipop, and she just had the stem, and she's just going, you know? And, and she was five years old, four or five years old, no older than that. And I thought, well, what has she been seeing? You know, what has she been seeing? What, what's being formed habit-wise in her mind, patterns already. But my point is that the branch is the cigarette. The branch is the nicotine. The branch is one puff of a cigarette, and it's 3,000 poisonous gases that goes into your lung. One puff does that. But what it, what's really the root is the rebellion, okay, the rebellion, the sinfulness, the destruction. Was it worth it? What would it profit a man or a woman for that matter? You gain the whole world and lose your soul. It's got to be particularly tormenting for people. Sometimes it hits me. It hits me hard. I'll see a statue of somebody that they put to his honor or a park named after them or a building named after them or whatever. Or they get buried in their 57 Chevy or whatever, you know. They dig a big home, put them in their car and put the car in, covered up. Um, and I think, number one, one picosecond, which is one trillionth of a second, can't even fathom that really, uh, after they die, they don't care. They don't care about the Chevy. You know, they don't care about the statue. They don't care about the dedicated bridge or park or whatever. 
Believe me, they don't care. Not at all. That's not what was shown to the preacher. Agony, pain, suffering, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth. Was it worth it? It wasn't. It wasn't worth it. You smoked all you wanted, but now you've got a, a nasty, raw hole. Cancerous. We showed to the kids at the school. Uh, Brandon came and he set up the screen and all the geeky things that I don't know how to do. He, uh, but I got all the stuff together and he put it in there. And they showed commercials, so to speak, or documentary type things, uh, campaigns, trying to get young people to realize that you don't want to smoke, you don't want to do those kind of things, whatever it might be, liquor, whatever. And uh, this one woman came in and she had no hair, she had a hole in her throat, and her whole face was pinched together, and um, she said, well, and her, and her voice when she spoke, uh, with the aid of some kind of machine. Uh, so it was like a machine was talking to you. And she said, well, it's time to get ready to go out. And so she popped on the wig, and she put some kind of circular thing in her hole in her throat so that when you looked there, you saw that instead of a raw hole. And other modifications that she made to try to make herself look human and presentable as she went out, you know, about the day. Uh, it's not just smoking I'm talking about. I'm saying whatever the enemy convinced the angels of, whatever that spirit that's after the working of Satan is convincing you of, whoever he's working through, whatever he's working through. Is it going to be worth it? Is it going to be worth it? Is it going to be worth it? If you gain the whole world, Donald Trump style, Bill Gates style, is it going to be worth it to lose your soul? Because you will lose your soul. You won't, you won't live under the avalanche of Things that Satan will put in your life in this world. Everything he will get you to look at and run after. Do you know that casinos, gambling places, they hire behavioral scientists. They don't just have lighting. They have special lighting. The color of it that it gives off is designed to induce people to gamble. I don't believe that. Well, you may not believe it, but they're still down there. You know? Doing it all night long. Okay? Oh, yeah. yeah. I actually had a, a, a two cousins, husband and wife. They had a good business, self-employed. 
worked hard. And, uh, but their dream was, you know, the kids were grown, got past that, and uh, sell the business, which meant sell the phone number, and sell the house, and move to Las Vegas. And uh, spend their last remaining moments one on Bambi or whatever, you know, whatever the casino was doing. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Let me see. Let me look. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Shut it off! Not worth it. Nothing is worth it. Nothing. You couldn't, you can't invent. Satan can't invent anything. You can't purchase anything or be given anything. That's worth it. Okay? People in the wrong place would trade, and people who had everything, lived in the biggest mansions. Uh, if Sister Stephanie was here or Tom's here, you know, I'd tell you, and they would tell you that water going through your meter at your house, you know, uh, they allot you for so much money, a flat rate, you know, a thousand gallons or something like that. But I've read about people that live in a house that they use 40,000 gallons of water a month. I'm struggling at a thousand and paying 90, a hundred dollars, you know, and, and they've got 40,000. 40,000 gallons every month. I hope they've got some green lawn. My word. But I am saying to you that there's nothing, no mansion, that's worth it here. I just read in the paper the other day, there's a mansion for sale, $138 million. It's a, it's a, a, a Palm Beach County record that they're selling it for. I only need one room and one bed. I don't know what they do with the other 35 rooms, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know, but I'm just saying to you that I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul, okay, I don't want to gain the whole world and lose my soul, and gaining the whole world the scripture is teaching you, will cost you your soul. So you, you've got to, we've all got to fight against, strive against the things that spirits are trying to introduce into our lives. Must have been a little cold, huh? See, I'm sweating. I'm working hard here. Okay, just remember that. I was sitting back there, you know, chilling out. And, and, uh, okay. Everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. All right. So the Lord said in his word, our fathers dealt proudly. They hardened their necks. They listened not. They refused to obey. Neither were they mindful of the wonders that thou didst. They hardened their necks. And in their rebellion, they appointed a captain. You know, you get all that standing around stuff and 
And, you know, there's going to be somebody that's the ringleader. There's going to be somebody that's just, you know, just, you know, dropping little things, you know. And Oh, yeah. They appointed captain to return to their bondage. Now, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Let's appoint a captain so we can go back to being slaves. Doesn't that sound like a great idea? But see, the problem is, Satan doesn't tell you you're going back to bondage. He tells you it's going to be better. You're going to be your own man. You're doing your own thing. You're going to have this and you're going to have that. You know better. You got a better idea. What you've got is a whole bunch of complaints, unfounded complaints, and that has supplanted or taken the place of thankfulness. 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 Don't let the enemy steal your thankfulness, because he'll replace it with nasty stuff. He won't, he won't, he'll take something good. See, I, you know, I like that about God. God takes bad out and replaces it with good. The enemy takes good out and replaces it with bad. Okay? All right. So he said, he said here, they refused to obey. They weren't mindful of your wonders. They hardened their neck. They appointed a captain to go back to the bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful slow to anger, and of great kindness. You forsook them not. Yet, now get this, God did all of these things. And he said, yet they made them a molten calf. Where'd you get that molten calf, Aaron? Where'd that come from? You know? And uh, come here, Henry. I have a feeling that sometimes Henry is big brother to Anthony. Anthony? What you doing, Anthony? 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 You know? Oh, here comes Anthony. Should I ask him? You know? I, I think we know that brothers are kind of like that. And uh, I remember telling one older brother, well, more than once, uh, more than one set of older brothers, and I said, um, you better, you better be nice to that younger guy, because I got news for you. He's going to be bigger than you one day. <laughs> and so, anyway, here comes Moses to his brother Aaron. Come over here. I'm a little loud on the speaker there. And he says, he says, uh, what's this molten calf thing? And his brother Aaron says. Now, I'm sorry, Moses said, what's with the molten calf thing? And so Aaron's like, what? They gave me all their gold, and I threw it in the fire, and that's what came out. Come here, Anthony. Now, Anthony may be a little younger, and he may be a little shorter. He might even be a little stouter, <laughs> but he's not stupid. And Moses was like, you mean it just came out of the fire? There's a little more to it than that. And, 
And so Moses and Aaron had a brother-to-brother heart-to-heart talk there. And Moses was like, no, that's not what happened, Aaron. That's not what And And you've got them all chanting around here saying, these be thy gods. And you got God, who I just came out of the mountain from, with the two tables of commandments freshly minted in my, in my arms. And you've got me so upset, I'm ready to throw the book at you. And he did. <laughs> Cost him another 40 days up in the mountain. Fasting and praying to get a, another set of those Ten Commandments. And, uh, but, you know, imagine. God brings them out of Egypt. God brings us out of sin. God gives us this beautiful and wonderful truth. I mean, he reaches down and pulls us out of the nasty septic tank of sin. You didn't know it smelled so good. You didn't know it looked so good. No. And, uh, I know you think you're all that. Huh, girl? But you wasn't always looking so good. Because it's salvation that beautifies the meat. You didn't always have that salvation. And so all that was done, Jesus was beaten, whipped, spit on, talked about, mocked, and crucified, humiliated. And then people start acting like some some statue did it, or some invention did it, or some sports team did it. Rah, rah, rah. I don't, I, uh, I don't know. I don't think God, from what I read, was very pleased at all after all that he did. And they're acting like, see, nobody ever really wants to verbalize those things, but their actions, where they're going, what they're doing, what they're involved with, is screaming loudly, these be our gods. This is what we're interested in. This is what we worship. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is what we spend our time with. And so, God, though, being the kind of God he is, you know, in his manifold mercies, he still didn't forsake them. You know, God has been better than good to us, church family. He said, 40 years didst thou sustain them. He held them up in the wilderness so that they lacked nothing. Their clothes waxed not old. Their feet swelled not. Oh, ladies, I know you like that part. You know, they say, ladies, don't go shoe shopping early and don't go late. You got to go in the middle. You know that, right? 
Okay, if you go early, they've probably shrunk down during the night. And if you go late, they've already swelled up from being on their feet all day. So you got to go in the middle. So I, I suggest lunch hour would probably be the best time to go shoe shopping. Okay, anyway, or at least they suggest it. Anyway, they lack nothing. Their clothes wax not old, and their feet swelled not. Said, moreover, I, I'm preaching, girls. Thank you. No competition allowed. Moreover, thou gavest them kingdoms and nations and didst divide them into corners and gave them their lots, in other words. And all of these things God did. And he said, nevertheless, they were disobedient. They rebelled against thee. They cast your word behind their back. They slew their prophets, the preachers, which testified against them or preached to them to turn them, to try to turn them to you. They wrought great provocations. They just provoked and provoked. And, you know, in the meantime, God's sending messages. God's sending salvation. God's trying to turn them in the right direction. No wonder, church family, please, as I close with you now, as though we thus speak, the writer is saying, we're persuaded better things of you. Better things to come out of your heart. Better yield of your garden is what we're expecting. Because of God. Because of how great he is. I'm not, I'm not interested in what the working after the working of Satan. I, I, I don't want to be find myself, you know, with that in my face all the time. I want that love of God. You know. I want all the description. It vaunteth not. It doesn't exalt itself. It doesn't get up in your grill. You know. It's not behind you stabbing you. No, it's not like that. Not like that. Let's stand together. We're persuaded. Though we thus speak, or warned, we're persuaded better things of you. Much better things of you. Be careful in conclusion here, because it said, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. This is yet to come, church family, but we're closer to it than anybody's ever been. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and line. Let me tell you something. It's going to hit and there are Pentecostal people that are not going to discern it. Oh, that's, no, that's not. No, that's not. They won't discern it. Because they're so caught up in a part of it. You know? They're right out there in the professional ball game. Rah, rah, rah. You know? They're going to be right in the same bars. Because there's a careless ease, there's a letdown, there's an erosion. 
There's nothing wrong with this and there's nothing wrong with that and there's nothing wrong with the other. Well, I don't have to worry so much about something being wrong if I've got my eye on what's right. Let's get our eye on the prize. Right? All right. Everybody said praise the Lord. Because he said, working of Satan, all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Because, why are they going to perish? Because, I've taught you over and over. You see that word because in the Bible? Sit up and take notice right there. Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, the cause being that they didn't receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. God shall send them strong delusion. You can't blame that one on the devil. Said God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Hey, you don't want the truth, then there's a lie coming your way. I told somebody the other day, I said, when people are unethical, they're ungodly. You better hear me now. You got people that are crossing all kinds of established lines and acting like those lines aren't there, just erasing them, just knocking fences down, if you please, tumbling walls. Mm -hmm. A lot of selfishness, a lot of greed, a lot of pride. A lot of narcissism and self-absorption, all self-absorbed, all about me. You know, yeah, yeah. Said that they all might be damned. Oh God, shut it off. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But much like the Spirit spoke in Hebrews. Listen to what he says here in 2 Thessalonians, verse 13 of chapter 2. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord. So, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you know, I've been knowing this little girl since she was born. She used to be a little peanut. Now she's getting so tall. But uh, sometimes she pouts. Sometimes she sulks. Sometimes she gets a little bratty. Sounds like a man that don't. Oh, excuse me. Anyway, um, but she's growing out of that. I told her to smile because when she smiles, the angels come in. Isn't that right? And so... But I'm saying, you know, when mommy, Stephanie, has a tough day with destiny, um, at the end of the day, it's all said and done, and you've given mom a hard time, you know what she does? She thanks God for you. She thanks God for you. And that's what the apostle is saying here. You know, in spite of you know, all the misery <laughs> and all the hard time, you know, 
He said, I'm bound to thank God, to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Just remember, people are going to believe a lie because they didn't receive a love of the truth. You're called to love this truth. Let's take a moment. I'm persuaded better things of you, church family. Better things of you. I love you, Jesus. I praise and worship you, O holy God. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You are holy and mighty and great. You're gracious, kind and loving. Oh God, you've been so good to us. Given us jobs. Given us promotions. Given us raises. Given us life and strength and good health. And above all, given us the gift of eternal life. At the very least, the knowledge of it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
symptoms going on. Not quite, you know. He said, I'm still bound to give thanks to God for you. Still love you. Still care about you. Still pray for you. I'm still persuaded that you're going to produce better fruit, good fruit. Still persuaded better things of you because of this salvation that God has given you. Let's give God a big hand. Amen. All right. We want to